1: Hello,
0: and welcome to Awesome Etiquette,
1: where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty.
0: On today's show, we take your etiquette questions on rejecting kind offers. How to handle first and middle names on a wedding invitation. A follow-up question from episode 182 on belated second receptions. How to handle in lieu of gifts for an 80th birthday party. And a very jumbo shrimpy problem.
1: Plus, your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript segment on happiness that highlights the work of Emma Cepala. Coming up... Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute.
0: I'm Lizzie Post.
1: And I'm Dan Post-Senning.
0: Hey!
1: <laughs> it is a pleasure to be here with you. I
0: know. I've been working from home lately, so you and I like haven't really been in, in presence together. In it basically. gave me a good excuse
1: to visit your home That's and true. to see your new home office. It's really nice. <laughs> Thank
0: you. I finally cleared out my project room with my unupholstered chairs that have sat there for a year because
1: I have yet to get to that. That project. <laughs> the last time I saw it, it was a pile of art supplies. Yes,
0: that's just in the basement now. It's not like that got cleaned up and put away. It just got moved to a less sightly place. Like, it's really nice. You know. The office is a really nice space. It actually makes the first floor of my house really feel complete
1: now, which is great. I'm digging it. I understand why you like working from home.
0: I wanted to bring up something I heard on NPR the other weekend, and it was on Guessing. And it really made me think about the golden rule and then the platinum rule. And apparently we humans are really bad guessers. We're really good at assuming that we think we know how something's going to play out or what someone would want in a particular situation. And we're really not that great at it. Like across the board, they took couples Mm -hmm. and asked them questions. Like very much so like the newlywed game, you know, like asking questions and just wrong, consistently wrong. Even with someone
1: you knew that well. I didn't hear the piece.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll find the article and and forward it on cuz it was
1: really it was really interesting. <laughs> so, what did this make you think about the golden rule and the platinum rule?
0: Well, the platinum, you know, the golden rule is do unto others as you would, you know, have done to you. And so that's really thinking from your own perspective and and people can understand that when you fall back on that as a reasoning for something you might have gotten wrong or attempted to do right, you know, sure. know what I mean. But the platinum rule really asks you to assume the other person's position. And I think that one of the interesting... Treat other
1: people the way they would want to be treated. Yes,
0: exactly. So there's a big assumption going on there. And what I really loved about this article was that it said rather than thinking about someone and uh, assuming what they might like... Instead, ask. Just reminded me so much of advice we give on the show all the time is anytime you can ask. And when you don't have the opportunity to ask, then you could debate about whether or not you're going to go platinum or golden rule on this you know, sure. issue. But I loved the encouragement for communication. You know how much assuming is something that cracks me up because I do it all the time. You do it. all. We all do it all the time. And I loved this article that really addressed it and made me think. That coming back to our advice of whenever you can, asking someone and not assuming that you know, not assuming that this would go a certain way, but really asking what would be best here. How can I understand your perspective? And they called that um, perspective getting or perspective gathering rather than perspective taking. I think that's how it was phrased in the article. And I just love the realness of saying, wait a minute, I can't predict this. Let me ask instead.
1: What I like about that is there's some advice there. There's a, a nugget or a kernel of advice advice in that it's not that the platinum rule isn't a good rule or shouldn't be part of your constellation of, of things that you're going to work with to treat other people the way they would want to be treated. But, <laughs> but ask people. Yeah. Particularly if there's any sort of question in your mind, if it feels like a guess, if you think you might not know – yeah. Ask. There's a, a relatively simple. Not. I don't want to suggest that it's just simple, but there's a an executable solution. Something that can help.
0: Yeah, and I just think about you and I, and we've had a ten year, eleven year relationship at work, and we have changed throughout that relationship. And I know you so well, but I cannot just assume that I know you today.
1: Back to the original piece, even a couple, even people that know each other very well, cousins who've worked together for (laughs) 10 plus years, don't assume we all know that old expression about making assumptions.
0: Oh, yes. Such a good one.
1: Well, I'm going to make an assumption right now. Oh, yeah? I'm assuming that people listen to the show because they want to hear us answer some questions.
0: Very good. Very good. I like that assumption. Let's roll with it. Let's get to it. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. And if you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or you can find us on Twitter and Facebook. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette on those social media platforms so that we know you want your question on the show.
1: Our first question is about a thank you with a reality check. Yeah. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I could use your perspective and maybe a sample script Lizzie posed <laughs> on a sticky situation I'm having with my sister. She's a single mom who is deployed overseas for a year. Her two-year-old daughter is staying with my parents while she's away, and I'm helping out whenever I can. My sister is taking care of all of her daughter's finances, and they chat every day. All things considered, things are working out well. My etiquette conundrum comes with the manner in which my sister wants to show her gratitude. She's offered to take our whole family, my parents, her, and her daughter, and my husband, and me, and our two children, on a vacation when she gets back next year. This is super generous of her, but my sister and I do not have the best relationship. Whenever we spend any extended period of time together, we end up bickering and crying and just generally driving each other crazy. I want to be honest with her and tell her that a vacation with our entire family is not something I can emotionally handle but that seems so inconsiderate and disrespectful, especially when she's trying to do something so incredibly generous. I'm stuck in an infinite loop of etiquette. Is there any way to resolve this? Thank you. Stuck in a loop.
0: Oh, my goodness. You are not alone stuck in a loop. Many families deal with difficult dynamics and trying to balance when to put things aside for larger group events and when that's just not possible. How many days can you handle together before that that overload kicks in or you just don't have the strength to, you know, be your best adult self, right? That's therapy language. Be your best adult self. And it's, it's smart to both. recognize when you don't think you're going to be able to pull it off. And I also think it's smart to bolster yourself with a big old dose of confidence that you can.
1: I like that. Yeah, right. a couple of ways you can proceed. No right answer, but probably good etiquette no matter what you choose.
0: Absolutely, cuz. You know, and maybe you talk with your folks. Maybe you see if they agree. If they think, you know, actually it's a smart idea. We were thinking the same thing. Like, that might be a way that families manage difficult dynamics. And what then I think you would want to do is rather than focus on your honesty about the emotional difficulty you're foreseeing, which I think is, you know, unfortunately in the more negative territory, I would instead focus on her generosity, but just simply that you aren't able to make this trip happen for you and your family. And I think you want to focus on the fact that just the offer alone just warms your heart and makes you feel so grateful for the opportunity you had to help your sister out during a difficult time. You could play it off as an exchange of words that really completes her act of gratitude because she is trying to extend gratitude and you want that to be received. You want that to be something that is as powerful as she needs it to be to feel good on her end. What you don't want is for her to take you trying to protect the dynamics and have that turn into a problem.
1: So I'm hearing a no, but a no with an appropriate thank you.
0: A huge thank you, and really, yeah, really identify how much even the offer. Like I'm hearing about does it. an
1: emphasis on the benevolent or the kind truth instead of the harsh or brutal truth.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: I, I like that attention to honesty, <laughs> but it doesn't need to be the most bare bones, brutal honesty that we've <laughs> ever that employed.
0: <laughs> we can protect our family from sometimes the things that might might hurt a little more
1: and I like that idea of really keeping the focus on the the genuine gratitude yeah. and also your willingness to receive that thanks yeah. that that you acknowledging the intent of the offer yeah and and thanking her for that but also it, it maybe figuring out some way to receive that intent <laughs> yes. so it's not like you're denying the thanks i think that you're you're on to something there in terms of how to execute <laughs> this bowing out gracefully
0: thanks cuz <laughs>
1: so there's another road you might go down here let's hear it What if you decide to go, to push that boundary of your comfort and maybe your expectation of what's possible just a little bit? And and maybe a whole trip together is too much of a push for that. And and I, I recognize that in our first answer. But what if you think, you know, I can do it. This is a reasonable amount of time. It's not that big a trip. It's for an important and good reason let's welcome my sister home. Let's receive her thank you. Let's go do this.
0: So I think two things. One, I think, is there an amount of time that you would be able to handle it for? You know, Can you do the three-day thing? Would you be able to go for part of the trip? That might be a way to handle it. Another way might be really starting to think about the tools you have. And again, without assuming, because we just talked about that in our introduction, but asking for uh, ways that you, you all as a family can balance the trip because you know people will need their downtime and then there'll be other group things we want to do together. That might be a way to start that conversation so that you aren't stuck together the entire time and it feels like all of a sudden a very uh, regimented vacation where you feel obligated for everything. That might be a way to help handle it. You might talk to mom and dad, have them help voice some of these things. If tensions between you and your sister aren't – if you know when one person suggests it can escalate things, have mom and dad maybe make some suggestions. But I would also think about the things that – you know, trigger some of these fights and really um, use that the etiquette we talk about as a great tool for self reflection. Take this moment as you prepare etiquette wise for a trip like this to really think about. What are the triggers? What are the things that set you off? Are there ways that you can give yourself a mantra, have your husband give you a nudge? Like, What are the ways that something can happen to stop you from engaging negatively with your sister? Because we can't always control what the other person is going to do, but we can know our own triggers. We can try to mitigate them. We can do our best to control ourselves. I would heavily prepare on that end. (laughs) like and constantly remind yourself that this is this is about your sister saying thank you to you and to to really try to have that be the focus and remember that her intention is for this to be something fun her intention is for this to be a good experience for her to be able
1: to say thank you so i'm trying to put myself in your shoes
0: <laughs> why my
1: and shoes think about what kind of sample language i might use
0: let it, us hear cuz
1: I, I like your idea of Thank you so much for the offer and the idea that we would take a trip when you get back. I don't think it's going to work out for us, speaking on behalf of your family. We already have our vacations planned this year, or it just doesn't make sense for us at this time. Mm-hmm. And if, if that's closer to the truth, truth, then we already have our vacations planned for this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to figure out another way we can all get together and celebrate your return and what an incredible job our parents did helping out with my niece or whatever yeah, yeah, that is. Yeah. But so that, so that you both – you thank, mm-hmm. you give a, a reason or an explanation, and you also then shift and look for – a suggestion or some proposal that you can offer whatever makes sense for you yeah. about a way that you might honor the spirit it's hard to to suggest ways that someone else might thank you so that gets a little delicate
0: that's, Yeah, but i that's do the think only there's that's delicate in there really
1: a, a dance that could happen there where you might bring some other ideas to the table and I don't know well, exactly well, what those Well, here's
0: no, step back. Here's what we do, right? We offer to bring ideas. If we want to think of something else, I'm happy to participate or help out with that. But this is then when you you get to the point that's the one thing I really would want you to include, which is, but truly, just your idea and offer of this is thanks enough. It's unbelievable, Karen. You know, it was wonderful watching how well this all worked for the family while you were away. And... Just the fact that you would consider doing something like this for everybody like, just completely fills my heart. Thank you so much, right?
1: I would feel good hearing that. <laughs> You're so much better with these sample no, scripts I'm than not. I am. I am
0: not. Stop it. Uh, st- st- stuck in a loop. We hope this gets you stuck out of your loop and on an upward spiral with your relationship with your sister.
1: Questions like these are kind of tough to answer in any family. Suppose we hear what you have to say about them, okay?
0: Most family problems can be solved through frank and friendly discussion, which points the
1: way to a happy family life
0: Dampo setting are you ready for this name game wedding question? I think so. okay, here we go. Hi! I hope this note finds you well. My fiancé and I are having a difficult time deciding how to list her name on our wedding invitation. The tricky thing is that she doesn't currently have a middle name, and I have a traditional first, middle, and last name. I also go by my middle name. She plans on taking my last name and picking up her mom's maiden name as her middle name once we are married. Can you please shed some light on if it would be appropriate for us to list her new middle name on the wedding invitation? Or should we just use her first and last name and I use my full name? Thank you in advance for your help. Best wishes, Austin.
1: Austin, congratulations, and good luck with the rest of the planning also. But as far as this invitation names question goes, your fiancé, your future bride, really is in good shape using her mother's maiden name as a middle name if she wants to. There's no etiquette rule about when you can start doing that. Technically, changing a birth certificate or your legal name is a bit of a process, but as far as how you present yourself socially – that really isn't something that there is a tradition in etiquette that says don't do it and
0: yeah you could put whatever name you want right i mean t- technically yes
1: You wouldn't want to use the last
0: name with it because you're not married yet if you are taking uh, your fiancé's last name. So that's like the one you wouldn't do.
1: That's the point of etiquette here. No one's
0: really going to know that your fiancé wasn't born with this as her middle name except for a few people. So I I don't know. It's not, I mean, we could go into the whole honesty factor and all that. But truthfully, it's like if y'all both want to see a first and middle name on that invitation and you know she's going to be accepting her mother's maiden name as a middle name once you guys are married. I mean, no one's going to call the etiquette police on you.
1: No. And the thing that Lizzie alluded to there is that there is an etiquette tradition that if you're planning to take your spouse's name, that you don't start using it until you've actually been to the ceremony, said... I do or whatever it is that consecrates that ceremony and it's really become official. So there is a bit of a tradition about not using that new last name until you're officially married. And because many people have sent out many wedding invitations, there is a bit of a tradition around that and observing that. But as far as a middle name goes, particularly using a mother's maiden name as a middle name, that kind of etiquette – rule, in quotation marks, doesn't really exist.
0: And I think that, especially given Austin lists that, I'm I'm thinking that he goes by his middle name, so... Austin is his middle name, and rather than just having Austin and, say, Rebecca just as two single names, I think they're liking the idea of a first name and a middle name, and he goes by his middle name, so if he includes his first name, he really wants to put the middle name on because that's what people know him as. So I just think this makes sense. I would just roll with it and not worry about it too, too much. I would roll with it. Whatever makes the two of you comfortable and how you want to present yourselves, like we said, the etiquette police are not going to come and and claim that this middle name is not allowed just yet.
1: (laughs) Austin, best wishes. Our next question is a follow-up question for something we talked about in episode 182. Hi. I have a follow-up question to the second reception question brought up on episode 182. My husband and I were invited to a party like this years ago. The invitation read something like, come meet the newlyweds. We had been to the out-of-town wedding, but many at the party had not. My question is, are the people invited only to the second party expected to bring a wedding gift? I have just recently found your show. It is really delightful. Thanks, Fran.
0: Hi, Fran. Thank you for joining our audience. Welcome. <laughs> no, you are not expected to bring a wedding gift to the Meet the Newlyweds party. Though Many people do just because they would like to. Sometimes they bring a, um, I really want to get away from calling them token gifts, but a small sentimental gift, just something to mark the occasion. You might bring a card, um, some flowers, but truthfully, no, this isn't a party where gifts are meant to be given and even opened or anything like that. We often advise folks who get invited to a party like this to send their gifts to the couple's home or to ask the hostess whether or not they are receiving gifts from folks who wish to bring one but there's no obligation at the party for this
1: that's kind of it (laughs) i say go enjoy the party bring a gift if you feel so inspired but don't really worry so so much about what the other guests are going to be doing follow your own genius on this one
0: Our next question is titled, In Lieu of Gifts, soon I will be celebrating my 80th birthday. Happy 80th birthday! Seriously. I would appreciate a suggestion on how to word, in lieu of gifts, kindly consider a contribution to the Ron Arnold Youth Fund at Temple Shalom. Looking forward to your response. Sincerely, Barbara Arnold.
1: Barbara. I think your wording is great. It is. You, you You've pretty much got it. It is okay to make this very simple kind of gift suggestion on a happy birthday invitation. Mm-hmm. And it's it's it might feel like it goes against the etiquette advice of no mention of gifts on invitations, which we often give and many people I think are used to hearing. But particularly for birthday parties where oftentimes there's a real desire to – address people's expectation that gifts are given at birthday parties. right? And it happens a lot with kids' birthday parties, but it happens with birthday parties for people of all ages. And thank you for reminding us about what a span of ages we have in the community, the Awesome Etiquette listening community. The one little addition that I might make Mm -hmm. is something that, that tries to broaden your suggestion so it doesn't assume people are going to be giving gifts. And- You can do this with something as simple as in lieu of gifts, please consider a card or a donation to the Ron Arnold Youth Fund at Temple Shalom for more information, please, and then a little information about how someone might make that donation or a a contact number or website. It gives folks an option to turn to a donation if they want, but then they are also given some indication that it's not an expectation as far as attending this particular party.
0: Yeah, and the card is a nice option because it keeps in your in lieu of gifts, but it also lets people um, express their good wishes to you. And a lot of folks like having some avenue to do that for. And so it's the, the two together present a really nice option for your guests.
1: Barbara, good luck with the rest of the planning and enjoy your 80th birthday.
0: Happy 80th. A party calls for king Nobody will have any fun unless everyone joins in, so join in wholeheartedly in any game suggested, and you'll all have a lot more fun.
1: Hi Lizzie and Dan, or guest host. I love the show and have listened since your dinner party download days. Don't you miss that show? We do!
0: We do. I miss so <laughs> much.
1: Hopefully, my question is a simple one. What is the proper way to pull the tails off a shrimp while dining? I was at an upscale restaurant and ordered a shrimp lettuce salad. The shrimp were served on a separate plate with the tails still on. Honestly, if I was at home, I would have pulled the tails off of the shrimp with my hands while preparing to cook them. I can't imagine it is proper to use your hands at a restaurant. Do you just cut the tails off with a knife and fork? I hate to say it, but I love shrimp and would be sad missing that little bit underneath the tail. Holding the shrimp with your fork and pulling the tail off with your fingers doesn't really seem right either. Help!
0: Oh, you are exactly right. <laughs> um, you do use your fork and knife to cut the tail off. However, the funny thing is that when shrimp are served with tails on, that gives them a handle. And so you absolutely could just bite them off. But here's, you ordered it in a salad, so that makes me think, go back to the fork. But you really want the last bite, which makes me think, depending the company you were in, you might just go for it and give yourself the excuse, oh my goodness, now I'm in an etiquette loop. Dan, please help. <laughs>
1: I, I like this idea of an infinite etiquette loop because <laughs> it, it, it does happen. What do it you does. have when you have these contradicting rules or, or, or notions? <laughs> and you're absolutely right. If you have shrimp cocktail and the tails are on, that's indication that you use your fingers to pick them up. Right. If you're sitting at a place setting with a knife and fork in front of you and things are brought as part of a salad, usually the tails are removed by the restaurant because you're going to be eating with a knife and fork. And
0: or you're removing them yourself. It's
1: not so convenient. I liked your idea of what's the company I'm keeping? <laughs> what is the situation that I'm in?
0: What are the stakes here? What are the
1: stakes here? I was recently teaching etiquette at a family-style restaurant, yeah. and the food there was all served family-style. And I'm supposed to be teaching uh, course service, plated <laughs> food-style manners, and the steak comes out. It's a 32-ounce steak, and it's laid in the middle of the table. <laughs> and you're supposed to eat family-style, where you cut it up and serve each other. Yeah. And Sometimes I'm a fan of asking the server when something is presented in a way – and it doesn't mean the restaurant isn't fancy. It was a very nice restaurant. But yeah. it was using a type of service that was very different than what the people attending were expecting. Right. Ask your server, how do people usually eat this? How do you recommend I go about eating this? Oftentimes, there is some idea in the mind of the establishment when you're presented food that's not served in a way that you're used to seeing it. That was another idea that occurred to me here.
0: All right, all right, all right. I would say, uh, for this one, Anonymous, I would say that. Again, I would look at the company I'm keeping and the stakes of the situation. Is this a business meal? I'm going fork and knife and just kiss those little lens goodbye. Or I might try to do fork and knife and then do a little bit of work and see if I could actually get the end of that that little piece out. It could be, if you're very good with your cutlery, that might be a a way to work it. But, you know, business situation, meeting the fiancé's parents' situation, my parents or grandparents who are sticklers about etiquette, those are the people that I'm going to definitely use that fork and knife for. If it's my spouse and it's not any kind of like saucy shrimp, it's really dry and easy and there's no mess to it i'm gonna you know consider i might even ask hey do you mind if i if i use my hands to eat this one that might be one way to go about it returning to that wonderful word ask don't assume what other people's comfort levels are because let's remember that at the dining table we are trying not to gross other people out and just because we dine with someone regularly because they are our partner or best friend doesn't mean that we need to gross them out just because of our familiarity with them
1: I also like your idea of how messy is it. Yeah. Is this a pretty dry service? Is this shrimp that I could pretty easily pick up without making a mess on my hands? Your idea of not grossing people out, not making a mess, I think is another really key factor to keep in mind as you're deciding what to do here.
0: Anonymous, just to add one more complicating factor to this, I had a friend who eats the tails. And that's like a thing some people just do.
1: Are they crispy? Are yeah. they little tails? If these aren't the big jumbo shrimp, if they're little bitty shrimp,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. you might just eat them. You might just eat them. <laughs> Anonymous, we hope we haven't overwhelmed you by turning the shrimpy problem into a jumbo shrimpy problem. But we do think that you have quite a few solutions at your fingertips or your fork tines. I bet I know what you're going to tell us. Remember our table manners when eating. Oh, now you spoiled my phone.
1: This question is titled, So Kind, But No Thank You. Hi, I have really enjoyed your podcast, and I'm learning great etiquette that I can apply every day. I had a situation a few months ago, and I wasn't sure if I handled it in the best way. I had a 20-month-old boy at the time and had a second baby in November. People were so kind to offer to bring dinner and meet our baby in the weeks following. Not only is dinnertime our craziest time of day, but the new baby had colic and our two-year-old was having such a difficult time adjusting to the new addition. I kindly thanked people but declined the offer in the most generous way I could. I felt so awkward telling some of my close and not-so-close friends, no, but I was just not up for any visitors. Sometimes I gave an explanation but still felt rude. Was I wrong to tell people no? Thank you.
0: You're definitely not wrong to tell people no anonymous, but I would say that it's all in how you do it. And I think that what's really tough when you're a um, mom of baby number two and there's colic and there's a you know a two-year-old who's really wanting that same level of attention that they used to receive, I think that it's really, really easy to let your guard down and have the exasperation and the frustration show. And these are the moments where I would say like, if If you you have the energy for it, bring up that best self and say, wow, I really appreciate your offer. But unfortunately, right now is just not a great time. And suggesting something a few weeks, you know, when the baby's not so colicky, I'll just have a lot more presence and ability to have this go really smoothly and well. And some folks might still offer and say, well, could I do a load of laundry for you? I could take it to my house. You know, you can figure out what to, how to handle those follow-up offers that might come. Um, I've certainly known friends who really understand the whole just drop dinner off. Like, let me just go pick up some takeout for you and drop dinner off so you don't even have to think about dinner. You might get offers like that and be prepared to say yes or no to those follow-ups. But I think that rescheduling is great. I think that being able to just simply focus on that you appreciate the offer, you just aren't able to entertain it right now.
1: Yeah, there's no etiquette rule that says you have to say yes. Exactly. In fact, saying no is an important and necessary skill. So really don't feel bad about...
0: Declining. Declining. Yeah. It's, it's
1: important. And the etiquette is all in how it's done. I, The rain check <laughs> is a thing because it's a thing. People <laughs> like saying, I would love to, but now is not a great time. And that idea of the reschedule, the indefinite push off into the future. You can always tell people if you're getting so many offers that even that feels a little weighty, that you'll reach back out to them. Then just remember to follow up and reach back out when you're feeling able in the future.
0: Anonymous, we hope this helps. And we certainly hope that dinner time gets a little easier in the coming months.
1: Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates, comments, or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette so that we know you want your question or feedback on the show.
0: Speaking of feedback, each week we like to hear your thoughts about the questions we answer and the topics we cover, and we've got some good ones this week. Hello! I was listening to the latest podcast from March 12th, with that's 2018, with the question from the bride about helping her bridesmaids find appropriate dresses for a more conservative wedding. Another option, beyond the bride sending them color swatches, is what my new sister-in-law did for her wedding. It does involve a bit more work for the bride. But my sister-in-law determined her dress color, a gorgeous sage green, and then found four to five dress options in that color from a nationwide bridesmaids dress store. Think something like David's Bridal. She emailed us the links to view all the dresses online, and then we could go try them on in our local stores since we were spread out throughout the East Coast. This worked wonderfully. All the women got dresses in the correct color, and we could pick a dress style we liked best while the bride assured that no one was wearing anything too risque for her wedding. Thanks so much, Jenna.
1: I like the idea. It's an amazing world we live in. (laughs) I know,
0: right? No, it's definitely a great idea. And there are tons of bridesmaids uh, shops online that do this. I've ordered from them a number of times. It really does work. The biggest thing I say is just make sure you order well in advance so that if any alterations need to be done or if anything gets hung up during travel and I mean, it just, it happens. One of our bridesmaids for Estelle's wedding, uh, her dress showed up and it was completely like, the seam was sewn wrong and you just, it it, like went sideways down her like it was Just completely wrong, and she had to scramble and find a dress that would look similar to everybody's. And you know, it, it, it was a it was a hassle. I felt I felt bad, and and she found a really great dress though. So it's like one of those like shining extras, but definitely something worth considering.
1: We also had two comments regarding addresses in the digital age. The first comes from Beth. Dear Lizzie and Dan, I'm listening to podcast episode 183, the question where the writer is asking about requesting addresses and just have to voice my vote for Dan's spreadsheet method of organizing.
0: Oh, yes. We had a number of votes, and someone even very cheekily told me, how dare you you make fun of Dan about that, and then told me they were just kidding. But it was really cute. <laughs>
1: well, my spreadsheet came out in exactly the same way as Beth's. Yes. <laughs> I've never been good about keeping family and friends' addresses sheepishly, knowing that my mom keeps a pretty updated address book on my side of the family. However, my husband and I were lucky enough to be thrown a couple of baby showers over the summer preceding the birth of our son. Congratulations.
0: Congratulations.
1: This gave us a great reason to collect addresses from both sides of the family and many friends. And I now have them on a Google spreadsheet, accessible from everywhere, and I have even pulled it up on my phone before. This made thank you notes a breeze, and just having those addresses in one place before the holidays gave me the motivation I needed to order and send out holiday cards for the first time ever. Yay! Although, to be fair, sharing cute baby photos was a close second on the motivation (laughs) meter. I bet. In my mid-30s, so I suppose this could be considered the technological middle between the handwritten address book Mm -hmm. and the phone contact app. Anyway, thank you both for a wonderful show. You're the only podcast I listen to every week, and I found myself thinking kindness, respect, and honesty in many difficult work and personal situations. Cheers,
0: Beth. Beth, thank you so much. And I bet that your friends and family are so happy to be on your holiday and announcement lists.
1: And I'll say, like Beth, I found that once that spreadsheet got loaded into one of these services that send out these cards on your behalf, it becomes even super easier because they're already there. And you just update and change what it is you're sending and hit go and (laughs)
0: off they go. I wish I was filming you just now. That was hysterical.
1: I mimed the go button You mimed a lot just (laughs) then. I'm
0: telling you, we need to have you on camera because... All right, and this came in from Rachel with an extra update on a question that we had answered a very long time ago. But first, a comment about episode 183. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I'm listening to the question in one episode 183 about how to get physical addresses, and I immediately remembered a similar request I received from an old acquaintance I hadn't spoken to in years. I received an email from him with a link to this service, which is called Postable, and when I clicked on the link, it took me to a quick little online form to fill in the contact information That I wanted them to have And Rachel included a screenshot of it Very common contact form This was such a great touch point To know that he still wants to maintain Some sort of contact And it was super convenient for me to complete Considering how often people move This felt like a great way for him to make sure He had up-to-date information for me I started writing this email before you mentioned this type of service, but I thought you might appreciate the note anyway. I certainly do because offering people an actual site to turn to is definitely nice. Um, Postable does not sponsor the show, just so that you know. Love the show. Sincerely, Rachel.
1: P.S. As a follow-up to a letter of mine that you answered in episode 20-something, wow. Yeah, I know, right? About getting men to walk through a door that I have opened for them instead of insisting on their holding the door for me, your advice to simply say, thanks, but I've got it, has worked superbly.
0: Awesome. That is good feedback. (laughs) Thanks a lot, Rachel.
1: Thank you to everyone for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please do keep them coming. You can send your next comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463.
0: It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette and today's Postscript because you, t- you like surprised me. You switched us up. I love it. What is this? This is the happiness track?
1: The happiness track is, is a this? book that I haven't read yet. Okay. But it's by a woman whose research I absolutely love and adore. Oh, who is it? Her name is Emma Sapala. And it's E-M-M-A-S-E-P-P-A-L-A. And she has a, a website, emmasapala.com, mm-hmm. that I highly recommend people take a look at. She yeah, is, is an academic about? who does research on happiness and about how to feel good and how feeling good can improve the experience of our lives. And it sounds so obvious when you say it and it's what makes her so remarkable. She is so good at talking about this, about bringing uh, to the forefront of my mind concepts and ideas that really help me treat myself and the people around me better. This is someone that I discovered through social media, and I now sort of look forward to her most recent offering. And one of her recent articles is all about um, changing the body and oh. how that can change your mental state. I love it. So people who are familiar with the Amy Cuddy TED Talk that we've talked about, mm-hmm. this is in that same sort of category of of thinking, but it's it's different. It's different work, different research. I thought I would. Bring some of her thoughts and tips to our audience, but also really use that as a way to make an introduction to a researcher who I like a lot.
0: What I like about this is that we're often giving people the like the mental thought tools for how to work around tough situations. This is a way that you could have your body assist you in, in helping, I think, to get that positive frame of mind going on. So, all right, give it to us,
1: Cuz. These are four simple tips. Okay. And then we'll go back and talk a little bit about each one. Okay. Okay. The first is to breathe. The second is to sit or stand up straight. The third is to move around. And the fourth is to smile.
0: Okay. I like all of them. Start with breathe.
1: It's where it all begins. It's one of the most basic things that we do. And it makes us feel so good. And just reminding yourself to breathe, taking a conscious and deep breath is a great way to center yourself. It's a great way to ground yourself in the moment and to bring yourself to that present moment in a really physical way.
0: Describe a good breath
1: to me. There are so many ways to breathe. This is what is so remarkable. There is there are two diaphragms. We have a, a thoracic and a pelvic diaphragm. Like you can breathe through your <laughs> nose and through your mouth. We could get into all different types and tactics and strategies for breathing. There is a great deal of of research and literature about it. I just say just take a deep breath.
0: Take a deep breath. Let Feel your body that deep expand. breath and like get all of it out.
1: Exactly. Okay. And if you're interested in more, take a look at Emma's website. <laughs>
0: Let's talk about sitting up straight because you definitely see people do this wrong. Like, how do we stand well or sit well so that we're fully in our bodies? Let's
1: go back to the Downton Abbey era, All the right. Emily Post 1922 era. They used to say, never I'm let your... I'm not wearing
0: a corset, cuz. Not gonna happen. <laughs> no,
1: exactly. And back then they used to say, don't ever let your back touch the back of a chair. Oh my goodness. That feels But like for many march. people, that starts to feel very rigid. And the last thing you want is to feel rigid or constricted even by your posture, your stance. So sit up straight, put your shoulders back, stay at ease. Think about getting your head over your shoulders, your shoulders over your hips, and you're going to okay. be in pretty good shape.
0: Even when I'm sitting, my shoulders over my Okay. Yeah. and And...
1: As Those of you, you in
0: cars right now, try it out.
1: As you put your body in this position, the trick is not to let it become a really rigid posture. You want to sit up straight but stay at ease. Not having your spine slumped oh, okay, <laughs> or okay. or slouched or curved.
0: So I'm practicing the things Dan's talking about as we're talking about them. And I'm definitely feeling that sense of balance and being centered over my hips as I'm sitting here and I'm finding that place with my spine where it doesn't feel like I'm arching it it doesn't feel like I'm too slumped and relaxed like I'm trying to it's a funny kind of like comfortable balance that starts to kick in I can feel my sits bones way underneath kind of the very bottom of your butt think of it that way and then I can feel once that's all there I can kind of relax my shoulders into it but not let them droop forward because that's what mine tend to do thank you post family shoulders
1: oh we all have the hunch I know
0: all right I'm feeling it
1: it's going to help you breathe easier this okay. is going to Help with tip one. Because I can expand my life. Okay. It will help you feel more confident and more at ease, more engaged, both with yourself, your environment, and the people around you. Tip three, Mm -hmm. move around.
0: Oh, now I got to shake it up.
1: (laughs) For some people, they feel like they're in action all the time. They're moving all the time. It's all about breathing and coming to stillness. For many of us, particularly if we're talking about social engagement, the idea of... Just getting up out of our seat, moving around a little bit is one of the best things that we can do. It'll make you feel more effective, more in control, and more open to new things. In the article that I was reading that Emma wrote, she talked about research that was done about people at speed dating events. Oh, oh. Really, And the people that get up and move around feel better and rate their experiences much more positively than the people who sit and wait for other people to approach them. Fascinating. That it changes your perspective on relationships, whether you're approaching people or whether you feel like they're approaching you.
0: Okay. I would love for some of our audience to experiment with musical chair dinner tables and see what happens. Like what happens at the dining table if you try to employ that.
1: The final tip is one that we've given on the show before and I don't think we can give it enough smile it can change you it can change the world around you.
0: We say it when you're on the telephone, smile when you're talking to someone they can hear it.
1: It changes your internal psychological state. It also has a positive impact on the people around you. When you smile at people even if they don't smile back, they start to feel it. It starts to induce that smile in them. You don't know how much more likely they are to smile the next time they see someone or to the next person they see, even hearing the word smile starts to <laughs> inspire smile. smiles. The fact that you've listened <laughs> this far into the postscript probably and heard the word smiling. smile so many times probably means you're smiling. Don't <laughs> underestimate the power of a good smile.
0: Oh, I love it. Those are four such good tips. Thank you, Cuz. Great change up for today. I feel happier already.
1: And thank you, Emma Sapola. That's EmmaSapola.com. He is proud to be with Carolyn because she looks well is friendly with everyone, and is considerate of their feelings. She likes him for these same reasons, and also because he is fun to be with.
0: We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today, we have a salute that is a reminder that even during tough times, we can find a lot to be grateful for. Hello, In October, my husband's beloved father passed away after an unexpectedly brief illness on the opposite coast from the one where we live. My husband left on a red-eye flight to spend time with him in the hospital and called me the following morning early to tell me that his father had died. I was in shock, and so was my husband. And our amazing community on both coasts jumped in immediately to help. Three local friends were over within an hour bringing takeout breakfast, travel supplies, and helped me pack my suitcase, make arrangements for the care of our pets, and buy a plane ticket. A friend drove me to the airport. Because of them, I was able to be with my husband by the time he went to bed on that same day. When we got to the East Coast, our community continued to support us. As Jews, we engage in a custom called sitting shiva, where the immediate family remains in the home of the deceased receiving visitors and gifts of food while following certain customs. Our East Coast friends made sure that at least one of them visited each of the five days we sat Shiva. The day's visitor or visitors would let us know when they were coming and ask if they could bring anything. Then they cheerfully collected everything from eye makeup remover to sour pickles and brought it to us at my in-law's home. They would spend a few hours with us, comforting us, laughing and crying with us, making sure we ate, and helping us get through this terrible time. In a city not my own, sleeping in an unfamiliar bed, I felt cared for by a network of extended family. And when we returned home, my mother had cleaned our house, and yet another friend had brought us groceries. The final months of 2017 were a terrible time. But my husband and I are absolutely blessed in the community of friends and families surrounding us. Profound thanks to Aaron, Becca, Alyssa, Pat, and my mom on the West Coast, and John, Chloe, Becca, David, Leora, Alan, Jessa, and Isaiah on the East Coast.
1: Abby. Abby, thank you for that etiquette salute. That is one of the nicest things I've heard in a long time, and it really is true that at some of the toughest moments in life, the people around us matter more than ever, and it is really nice to hear about how your community was there to support you at that tough time.
0: There are some things that you can assume, and when you're really close to someone, assuming that dropping off a bag of groceries when they return home from a difficult trip—that's a good assumption to make. You know, um, it, mom. Assuming that coming over and cleaning while her daughter is away, really appropriate assumption, given the circumstances, given the relationship, I think there's just a lot of of good support. And if you were ever in a position where you know a friend could use support and you're not sure that they're wanting to receive it or that coming from you it would be right, it's okay to ask, could I do this for you? Would it be helpful?
1: I'm also seeing Abby's effort to be there for her husband. Oh,
0: my goodness. And I'm not at
1: all surprised, given that example that's present right in this salute, that her community was there for her and him as well.
0: Abby, we hope that 2018 brings lots of joy and smiles.
1: Thank you to everyone out there for listening. And thank you to everyone who sent us something. You can send us your next question, comment, or salute to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore post. And
0: I'm at Lizzie A.
1: Post. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. You can help us out. Become a sustaining member by visiting awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com. Or subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine. Thanks, Thanks, Chris. Chris.